Welcome to the Confessions of a Loveaholic podcast. Join me, your host, Emmy Hernandez, on a journey where we help women heal and find soulmate love to help rewire their brain and nervous system so healthy love is on the radar and it feels like home instead of heartbreak. Whether you've found your soulmate or your journey is just beginning, we'll explore the energy healing practices like meditation, yoga, and have straight talk about toxic addictions. You deserve safe love. Hola, mi gente. If you haven't heard, I am here to share with you. The Wine and Cheese Men podcast has launched the very first Latine-owned wine brand directory ever. Just go to the wineandcheesemitpodcast.com, then go to Wine Brand Directory. There you will be greeted by me. But more importantly, you will be able to choose a winery first by region, then by county. And the wineries in that area will not only be listed, but you can connect directly to them from this site. It couldn't be easier than that, right? Use this directory to plan your own wine adventure or learn about some of these Latine vintners or share it with a friend and have them buy some Latine wine as well. You guys, this is the first time that something like this has ever been available. So go use it and support our community. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. It's the first time I've had recorded a podcast in person in a while. So today my guest is Veronica Carrillo. Hi, Veronica. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm very excited to be here with you. <laughs> and we get to enjoy a glass of wine together. So Veronica and I met, oh my gosh, before I think I even moved to San Diego. Yes. We met at an event and then you were telling me that you I think really prior to COVID, just right prior to COVID when we met for the first time. I think time, it right? was between 2017 and th- 2018. Yeah, it was. I, I was down in San Diego for an event. Mm-hmm. And then we met and then we didn't see each other for a while. For almost a year. Yeah. yeah. And then somebody had, when I was launching the podcast, Somebody was like, oh, I know somebody who does wine. And I was like, I know Veronica. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy when you call me and, and you said, hey, I have a, a project that I want to talk to you about. So, so yeah, really Veronica cool. is somebody who, she has a company called All About Wine Tasting, where she takes people to Valle de Guadalupe in Baja California and shares her love of wine, her specific love of Valle wine. Because you, I know you love mm-hmm. all wine, but... You really have a connection. You really love Valle wine. And we'll get into that. Pero before we start with the chisme, we always start with the wine. And uh, here's the thing. Uh, she was going to bring Valle wine and she forgot because she came straight from work. But luckily, I happen to have some wine, but I just don't have Valle wine. But it's OK because we- wine is wine and it yeah, brings us together. <laughs> exactly. So we're, I, I wanted to do this wine 
just because I thought it would be cool to talk about how all wine doesn't need to be super expensive. So this is the Trader Joe's Platinum Reserve Pinot Noir from Carneros 2019. What is the first thing that you smell when you smell this wine, Veronica? Well, let's see. Uh, There's a lot of red berries in here. Yes, for sure. I kind of smell star anise. That's something that I've started to recognize uh, yeah. little by little in, in wines nowadays. And I'm not somebody who's like super familiar with it, but for some reason that's like literally what I smell. Sometimes it's something very, very um, sharp, mm-hmm. almost like a tea, but not. Yeah. And so I've come to the realization and by asking also other people that it is star anise. Right. I'm <laughs> and sometimes to- it even... Um, between the star anise and the red berry, sometimes mm-hmm. it even gets you a hint of that r- Jolly Rancher cherry candy. Oh, can- And so I always tell people, like, smell it first, right, before you swirl it, and then swirl it and smell it again, because you end up getting more sense. It opens up. Oh, yes, definitely. Actually, at the beginning, when it's still, mm-hmm. sometimes you even can smell the alcohol in the oh. wine. You totally, I always get like, if I smell it prior to that, I always, this one, I didn't smell the alcohol. I did smell a little bit, but now that you're saying about the first smell and the second, mm-hmm. then I, then I'm like, okay, I'll bring it up. But yeah, now in the second one, I don't smell yeah. the, the alcohol at all. I don't smell. Well, salud. Salud. Wow. It's really, I'm, it's really well balanced. I was about to say, it's surprisingly smooth. I think this bottle was only like $12 or something at Trader Joe's. Wow. That's a great price for this one. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's been a while since I bought it. Mm-hmm. So I don't hold me to that price, but it was for sure under $15. I mean, actually, yeah, $15 is a great price for a good bottle of wine. Yeah. And a good bottle of wine that you can buy any day. Yeah. And enjoy with lunch or dinner. This is. Let's take another sip. Hmm. I'm tasting blackberry. Yes, blackberry. Now I can feel a little bit of the tannin mm-hmm. of the Pinot Noir. Very subtle. But they are right there. It has a little bit of um, permanence on your palate, which yeah. is good. Kind of stays, kind of mm-hmm. lingers. Yeah, lingers a little bit. Well, but it, it, it is like a light red wine. It is. It's something uh-huh. that can go with a lot. I mean, I think that's the, like, one of the cool things with Pinot Noir. It is a red mm-hmm. that you can, oh, you know what I should have opened? I should have opened the Beaujolais. Oh, that would be I had, super yeah. interesting. <laughs> because, so tell me what you think. Because when people want to start with red wine, mm-hmm. I actually tell them to start with the Beaujolais even before Pinot Noir because it's actually lighter. And I feel like it's a an easier introduction into wines. red wine. <laughs> what do you think? I think it, well, you, we can say that. However, mm-hmm. I think it, it all starts with ex- with your experience in, into wine because if you start uh, drinking wines from a region like in my in my case from Valle de Guadalupe those wines kind of seem to mellow for mm-hmm. me and uh, so I've been coming to the to the liking of the California and the Baja California wines and kind of finding similarities and, and things like that I mean definitely Bojole would be a great option for 
people that resist to, to taste yeah. red wines, I think that would be perfect. However, if you already had done a little bit of experience in tasting here and there, I think it's it's just like a, yeah, I, I better use to that go with, for, that pal- with your palate. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Beaujolais is for sure one that if people are like, I don't like red wine, it's too much, it's too much. And then mm-hmm. like, that's a good intro into yes. it. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Mm-hmm. But if you're right, I think if you've experienced it or tried it or whatever, then be a little bit more adventurous. Oh, definitely. You know what? One thing is, is um, that I've fallen in love. I always thought that red wines was my thing. Even that once in a while I tasted whites and reds, roses. But now I'm like definitely tasting the whites and the roses all the time. Same. Because, oh my God, I've been so surprised. <laughs> I've been so surprised of the different wines that are out there. And of course, during the summer days, you prefer like a sparkling, crispy, white wine, fresh. Oh, I have a sparkling Riesling that I have been waiting. I have not opened Uh it yet. And that one, the sparkling Riesling is actually from a winery in New York. From RGNY. Oh, you have yeah, that tasting. Yeah, I have that yeah. tasting uh-huh. um, with RGNY. And I haven't opened it yet because I've been waiting for like, I just, I do want to open that on a day that is really hot. And I really want that, those bubbles on my tongue. And, but you're right. I was the same way. Oh my gosh, totally the same way where I was like, no, I'm not a big white person. I'm not a big rosé person. I like my reds. And obviously you can see by my collection here, I have mostly (laughs) reds, but I do have whites and rosés. And I think it's so important to try all of them Mm -hmm. because one, you know, if you want to learn about wine, you have to learn about all wines. Yes, But you get to start deciding like what, like I've realized I always just say, I hate Chardonnay. I hate Chardonnay. It's too buttery. It's too, but I realize I'm just not a big fan of oak barreled aged Chardonnay because that's what makes it very buttery. But I do like steel barrel aged Chardonnay because it's lighter, it's crisper, it has more of it's a citrus. Very yes, yes, right. In reality, when you're tasting one of those Chardonnays, uh, stainless steel tank Chardonnay, you are tasting the fruit. In yes, it and the freshness. Some are crispy and um, they're very interesting. Nothing it, it has nothing that you can compare to the to the oak Chardonnay. So yes. I think that's one of the most interesting parts. You get to experience different flavors with the whites mm-hmm. and with the rosés and, and with the reds, of course. And you start to identify these other flavors and um, and you get to, to smell the aromas as well. There was one time I tasted this white and I'm like, oh, my God, I, I can smell like wet stone. And I had read about it and I'm like, how am I going to smell or, wet stone? Or leather. <laughs> You're like, oh, I smell it leather or tobacco but then when you do it so I try and tell people like if you're learning and because I'm trying to do this as well like first of all I'm trying to work more with cook more with fresh herbs Mm -hmm. but every time I cook with fresh herbs or even dry herbs I start smelling the herbs before Mm -hmm. I put it in the food because I think in your subconscious brain those smells kind of permeate and then when you like anytime there's lilac or violet or and like these, you know, very fragrant flowers. Um, I try and like really smell those as well Mm -hmm. because that makes it easier for you to start identifying Mm -hmm. that. And then I have the, the wheel, right? Oh yeah. I have the aroma. And there's some things on there that I've never tried. And I was like, but so 
like when it tells you, oh, it doesn't smell like this or that, and it has different fruits or different other mm-hmm. things, then to me, I'm like, oh, I've never tried that. I've never tasted that. Now I should because I see it on the aroma wheel. Mm-hmm. No, and the the great experience of wine, I think, is is that give you the opportunity to taste different things, even if you've never had it before. If you go to the supermarket or you're cooking, smell the stuff, smell the fruit, yeah. smell the meats. I mean, sometimes it mm-hmm. could be like, what is this? I mean, but yes, yeah, smell it, smell the sauces, and eventually you are going to come to this um, knowledge of, okay, what what I'd like to pair with this kind of wine, what I like to eat, or even with a cheese platter, uh, what kind oh, of yeah. cheese I like better with this wine than with that wine. Mm-hmm. Simple things like that, when you we learn to pair them, it gives you such pleasure. It and, does. Uh, it, it and then when you don't, and I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't like this wine, but they're trying it with the wrong Food because you don't realize how much that the t- the flavor of your food impacts the flavor of the wine. Oh yeah. So you, like if you so. get, I would all, I would even suggest like when you get a glass of wine, taste it, taste it before you eat your food. Yeah. Definitely. Take a bite, taste it again, and then you can understand that. I think that gives you more of an understanding mm-hmm. of, oh, this does not go together. Oh my gosh, it tastes so much mm-hmm. better. I don't like. It's like uh, I would uh, recommend um, your listeners to just take a small bite and at the same time that uh, you're eating that bite, get a little sip of wine and then kind of eat it together. Oh, I can't do that. Eat it together. Oh, girl. And once you do that and if it, that's when you say <laughs> that, if it goes I together. <laughs> I can't do but I But see, what I've done is take a drink. Mm-hmm taste it, then take a drink. Cause then I'm like, Oh yes, I like it. Or no, mm-hmm. I don't, but I'm not somebody who can like, even with water, I can't mm-hmm. do that. There's no. just some, there's something in my brain. That's like, no, no. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'm more of a vino person mm-hmm. than a foodie person, but I've come to learn when the piece of food and, and a sip of wine come together. Oh my God. But you still, I think you still get that. This, you guys, this is the different ways we all learn, right? There's no wrong way. That's the thing. There's no wrong way. way. You have to do it however you like. But I don't even like, unless I get something stuck in my throat, I don't even like, I don't even want water in my Mm -hmm. mouth the same time that I have food. Oh, okay. That's interesting. But if you can still identify what goes well with this and that, I mean, that's your way of learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the flavor still lingers on your tongue for a moment. So that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe not like literally right after you take Mm -hmm. your food, then drink wine. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But you're like me. You did not grow up around wine. You did not grow up. at all. So can you share like how you grew up and what your experience basically just kind of growing Mm -hmm. up was? And then we'll talk about how you ended up t- getting into wine. Into wine. Well, uh, growing up, actually, at my home, alcohol was not an option, not even a little bit of wine. I know probably in other cultures, it's it's normal to have like a little sip during dinner time. But for me, no. And it was more like an adult thing. And, uh, and you would see it at parties, your family, your uncles, your aunts, or mm-hmm. whoever would be drinking some kind of um, alcohol, but not a wine. They were more, I mean, I'm from Ensenada, Mexican, and I did live there until 15 years ago. So um, it was more beer, tequila, yeah. or other sorts Same. of uh, li- liquor, but no wine at and all. And I'm from, I grew up in San Diego, and that was beer, tequila, liquor, 
And we weren't big wine people. No, at all. And um, then I got uh, into the interest of studying tourism when I uh, was in high school. So I went to Tijuana, studied tourism, and um, pretty much I worked in, in different positions in Ensenada as a tour guide at the hotel as a banquet manager. And then I had my two kids. And it was becoming very difficult to have like a job from nine to five and have my two little ones because they're just two years apart. So, um, and then as well, I mean, we're a Mexican family. So mama was like, are you going to stop working to take care of your kids? <laughs> and um, I love my children, but I love to work as well. So that was a very hey, there's difficult There's nothing call. wrong with that. But yes, eventually I did stop working for a few months. And then I'm like, no, I need to do something. (laughs) (laughs) So I come up with this idea of beginning a small tour company that would service, I mean, small groups. There were like sometimes a a group of four people or six people that would come to Ensenada and nobody would service them because they were so focused on the tourism arriving by cruise ships. And it was just big buses going here and there. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was creating that that business, there was three options for me. One was to go to Valle de Guadalupe. Somebody told me they were making wine there. The other one was to go to La Bufadora. And the other one was to go to Kayak at Estero Beach. So when I started to go to Valle and I started to look into all this history, it was really interesting. But then when we were at the places tasting wine, there was not much I could say about it. And there was You were this- just like taking the people, letting them know it was there, taking them there. And then that was kind of it. And that was kind of it. But I couldn't talk much about the wine. So there was this course at the university in Baja California, the Universidad Autónoma de Baja California, and it was called Appreciation of Wine. And so I went to ask um, the Office of Tourism, well, what this is all about? And I'm like, no, you should take it. I think it would be good for, for you. So I go and take this course and oh my God, it blew my mind. I started to taste all these different wines and enjoy all these flavors that I've never had tasted before, all these aromas. I actually have to confess, I'm not really good with my nose. I pretty much had to practice a lot until now that I can identify these flavors. No, but at the same. beginning, it was like, uh, and when I do, I when I talk smell. to the winemakers and then I'm like, I smell this. And they're like, yes. I'm like, yes, I get so I excited <laughs> because I'm like, oh, wait, I know what I'm starting to know what I'm talking about. Yes. I get so excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because at the beginning, it's hard. It's hard. But like I say, when, um, when I'm talking to people, this is like something they have to practice constantly. It's not like, oh, I already learned everything about wine and that's it. And that's what kind of made me fall in love with it that I would never stop learning about wine. I would never stop tasting wine. And the stories behind every like uh, family or or company or person that's making wine has like a a purpose or has a like a, a dream or has an inspiration of somehow they got there. And I think that's very inspiring for me. That's how I got into that. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more Wine and Cheese Men. Have you heard? Another awesome beauty brand just landed at Ulta Beauty. REM Beauty by Ariana Grande. REM Beauty makes the perfect addition to Ulta Beauty's unrivaled assortment, especially as Ulta Beauty is the exclusive retail partner for Ariana's beloved fragrances, including God is a Woman, Thank You Next, and more. 
Ulta Beauty will carry the full REM Beauty assortment, including the Chapter One collection. Ultraviolet, which houses the Midnight Shadow Eyeshadow Palette, At the Borderline Eyeliner Marker, On Your Color Matte Lipstick, y mucho más. Ulta Beauty is thrilled to welcome REM Beauty to select store locations and Ulta.com. So head over to your Ulta Beauty store or Ulta.com and shop REM Beauty by Ariana Grande, only at Ulta Beauty. Do you remember like one of the first wines you tried? Because I think people always start with like, they just start with whites or rosés. People usually don't jump into reds. Do you remember where you started at? It's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I started to drink white Zinfandel. <laughs> no, but that's a lot of people. I Wait, know. you shouldn't be embarrassed. You guys, you should not be embarrassed because that's how you learn. Like my, like the first wine, and I say wine with air quotes that I ever had, was Strawberry Hill, which <laughs> oh my God. I, like people that are my age understand was strawberry. Cause you ever, you, do you even know what that is? I don't, I haven't. It's taken, Boone's yeah. farm. It was like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I tasted Boone's, Boone's farm, yeah. uh-huh. strawberry Hills, strawberry wine, again, air quotes, wine. And I was 15. <laughs> I think it was more like a cooler style kind of. I don't wine, even know. It? It, it was in a regular wine bottle, but yeah, it was like, it didn't taste like wine. It tasted super good. And that's what like. Super sweet. Super sweet. Yeah. I, I, I don't even remember. I think that was the last time I got so drunk off of it when I was 15, <laughs> you know, yes, at my friend's quinceanera. And then my friend, I was supposed to spend that at my friend's house and her mom picked us up and I'm like. Oh, my God. Boracha, boracha. <laughs> and she's got mad and dropped me off at home. Really? And then oh. I just go straight into my room and fall asleep. And nobody, my parents didn't even know I was home until the next day I woke up throwing up. Oh. <laughs> what a great yes. introduction to my... <laughs> I think oh, that yeah. was the last time I had Boots Farm. <laughs> and actually, now that I think about it, mm-hmm. you... Um, I mean, to begin with, I thought why Symphondel was a grape which is not, it's, it's Symphondel, the name of the grape. Yeah. And then I thought it was white and now it's a red grape. Yeah. And, um, and it was very alcoholic, if you think about it. I mean, a lot of alcohol, I mean, no balance in, in, in yeah. the creation no. of that <laughs> But you know what, don't be ashamed because so many people, like, I mean, I remember growing up, they were, how much they were pushing that type of wine. They were pushing wine coolers, pushing wines, like, so... I mean, that's totally fine if that was your first, ex- I mean, I tell you my first experience and I remember drinking white Zinfandel before. I think a lot of people, because wine is so complex, oftentimes they just start with something that they feel like if you don't know, and if you're not willing to ask somebody, that's the key is being willing to ask. Like if you're sitting down mm-hmm. and if the server doesn't know, like, just ask them, like, do you know, do you have somebody who's Mm-hmm. Who knows about this? I'm a, I'm a beginner. I've never really tasted wine. Like people are always willing to help you, but you have to be willing to ask. And as I well. think you would find that kind of service more at a wine shop or yeah. at, or a, a wine bar than a regular bar. At the regular oh, bar, yeah. there they kind of yeah. Well, it depends gonna, on depends on I think on the bartender. Going? Yeah, I think it, it, mm-hmm. if you're going to a place that has a restaurant that has or a bar that has a really good wine selection, mm-hmm. they probably know a little bit. They may not be super well-versed, but they're mm-hmm. probably generally versed. So the first time I went to Valle, I went with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you told me it was yeah, your first time. It was time. my first time to go to I know. And I, 
I need to, we need to go back because, Definitely. but here is the thing. Like when you talk about the stories of these wineries and everything, and which is something I love about, like, I want to talk to you about like what you do in Valle because I concentrate very much on these Latine owned wineries based in the U S mm-hmm. because no way I feel like nobody focuses on them. But every time I say that people are like, Oh, Valle. I'm like, no, I love Valle. I think there's so much cool stuff happening in Valle, but Valle is getting a lot of attention. These other wineries are not getting a lot of attention. So that's where I've really wanted to put my effort but when I talked to you and I said, I want to go to Valle, the first thing I said is I want to go to m- truly Mexican-owned wineries. Yes. And I want you to, I know you know more than I do, but there's a lot of wineries out there because when it was exploding, a lot of people move there that aren't from the land, mm-hmm. that don't really know the area and because it was a booming area. They just decided oh, let's go have a winery down there. Yes, Can you kind of talk that, about that? That's an opportunity that they saw mm-hmm. and they jumped at it. And um, yes, of course, like any other wine country, there's like the big papa that opened up mm-hmm. and uh, and we do have that. I mean, they started doing brandy at the very beginning of the 1900s and then kind of trans- kind of uh, move on to wine, but it was just like bulk wine. And then now it looks like they're more into like... Uh, premier wine they have like their line where they're taking more care of that uh, of the type of wines that they're making and they kind of sell it in a different way but most of the the wineries in Valle are boutique wineries are family wineries are uh, projects of people that retired and said saw an opportunity down there but they are really in love with what they're doing and they have become part of the community because we do have foreigners down there mm-hmm. at the End of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s, we had a couple actually from Laguna Beach that mm-hmm. retired and, and started Adobe Guadalupe. Then we had another couple from Los Angeles that started with La Villa del Valle, and that was more like a bed and breakfast. And slowly they got into making wine. But most of the other wineries, I mean, I love to go to these boutique wineries. And actually, we went to, uh, I think it was Mina Penelope, Vinos Pijuan. And uh, there was Valle Girl Vino. Yeah. Oh, she's, I mean, she's awesome. Like, she comes from a family that's a Latino mom and, and or the other way around. And the dad is Latino and the mom is American. She's just kind of like. Uh, but she's lived most of her life in Mexico. In Mexico and you were talking, or in Latin yeah, countries. Yeah, La- you were also mm-hmm. talking, there's like a lot of, there was Russian influence in yes. Valle. Because mm-hmm. you were, t- we drove by. And you were saying, oh, this is a, but they've lived in Mexico like hundreds of years, you said. Like they've grown up, but they, the original immigrants of that family were Russian. They're still, uh, he's still alive. Oh, really? Yeah. It would be a great opportunity if we go back to go and visit him and talk to him. He's a tall, blonde guy with blue (laughs) eyes. (laughs) And now now that has the the generations now. Yes. Now his his sons are the ones taking care of, of the winery, but like with the Russians, they started um, selling the grapes to the bigger wineries, mm-hmm. like Santo Tomas. That was one of their arrangements with they, when they came um, to Valle and Santo Tomas started to need more grapes. Actually, Vivayo was one of those families. He kept on selling grapes to Montechanic when Montechanic started opening Chateau Camus and little by little. He started to do his own wine. But I think now um, that we went back to Valle, these uh, smaller Couples. I mean, we went to visit this couple. They're in their 30s. One is from Ensenada and the other one is from uh, San Luis Rio Colorado, which is in Sonora. Mm-hmm. They got married. They live in Ensenada and they're doing their own wine right now. 
Of course, one of them has another job besides mm-hmm. that, but that's where it gets so interesting. They're so passionate about what they're doing and they've been getting better at it. So they're, they're like, oh, I think maybe next year or in two years, we'll take a sabbatical year and we'll just concentrate on making wine and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So I think all that is very, um, very inspiring. Very, They're very passionate about what they're doing and they help each other. I mean, he mm. buys the, the, the grapes from Viva Yo, but then he gets help from other wineries where um, he can borrow uh, maybe some uh, barrels or stainless steel tanks or, or anything that yeah. they would need to, to produce wine. What do you think makes Valle wine different than California wine? That's a very good question. And I come to learn that in Valle de Guadalupe, we're so close to the ocean, 25, well, actually the Valle is like 25 kilometers long. It's about maybe five and you're already going over the mountains to, and then down into the valley. And we're very close to the Pacific Ocean. And I was just telling someone yesterday that I never had seen that before. You always read about it. But they say, oh, the marine breeze comes in when the sun goes down and cools the valley. Well, there was one time I was able to see this. Oh, my God, I was so excited. You literally see the breeze rolling over, come to the valley, settling in, and then it disappears. It was so cool. And in California... I believe the same thing would happen to the valleys that are closer to the coast, but we have, uh, I would say, a larger territories towards the east, towards yeah. the mountains, and that somehow as well gets some of this breeze or maybe um, humidity cr- is created because they're close to forests, mm-hmm. th- a thing that we do not have in Valle because it's more semi-desert. So it's just like these smaller climates. Somebody call them what is it, like pockets of, of this uh, climates in, in different valleys that would create wine. But actually, I'm passionate about California and Baja California because I find a lot of similarities between both wines. Like mm-hmm. when some, some wines from Paso Robles kind of have something that remembers me about the, the wines from Valle Guadalupe. Okay. Some wines from Dry Creek remember... I kind of remember some flavors from Valle de Guadalupe. And even here in San Diego County, we have wines that are being made. And they are very similar to what we have down in Valle. I still have not been to any San Diego wineries. We need to go, girl. We need to go. Yes, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need to just take a, you know, if you guys are in San Diego, reach out to me on social and we'll do a whole, we'll do a little tour. Yeah. We should do a little tour. I would love to show you what's going on here in San Diego because it's very interesting. Yeah. I think it's more we can even even think that in the future this would be more of a regional wine, a wine because region. there's over what there's like t- over twenty wineries in San Diego, right? A hundred. Oh, there's over a hundred in San Diego. Yes. Oh yes. shit! Solely so, so <laughs> in Ramona, there's about thirty-four. Oh my and god! Then there's some more in Escondido. Yeah, I know San in Escondido. Valley, uh, like three in Hamul. So yes. Oh my gosh! I did not realize growing. that. I thought that was. <laughs> I thought there was like. Pushing 30 or something. No, no. And how many wineries are in Valle? There were closer to 200 now. Oh, my gosh. Which has exploded immensely. What is so interesting down there as well, I think they have uh, come to create the the menus of the restaurants that go so well with the wine. Oh, my gosh. That last place that we, what was the last place we went? uh, Herencia that we had the taquitos. Where it had like the with the cheese with, with the, the cheese. cheese. Oh yeah, my yeah, gosh! <laughs> oh, it was the borrego, so good. The borrego, like a cheese taco. Yes, like yes, the cheese tacos. It was like a taco shell made of cheese. 
Mm-hmm. But actually, all the places because they were giving us like little yeah we were little, eating like oh, little, little, little bites, bites little bites for, yeah for each thing and I think that's so the best way to do it actually yeah. I mean you get to really taste the wines with food and also as as well I mean and they tell more, you um, like what's going like what's gonna pair best with the food oh, you yes. choose uh-huh. so that, they're that's really always, good with that too yeah mm-hmm. oh my gosh that's so good but you just tapped into that amiga. <laughs> I just showed you a little piece of it. I know, but again, like, yeah, no, I had, um, is it Casa Frida? The one that has uh, the what? Frida Kahlo winery yes, in Valle. Casa Frida. Yeah, Casa Frida. They actually reached out to me. Really? And, yeah, they oh, reached out to awesome. me and they're like, please tell us when, you know, we would love to mm-hmm. show you around. Please tell us when you're going to be here. That's so. one of the most versatile places in, in, in Valle. And their food is delicious. Mm. They have a couple of places where you can eat, like a cocteleria bar, a lounge bar. They have their wine tasting room and they do tequila too. It's a really interesting place. So, yeah. yes, absolutely. Go for it. I Actually, know. invite me. No, well, we're, we're going to, yeah, of course, of course. How did you, because I know you started when you were still living in Ensenada and then you moved to San Diego. So how were you, like, you kind of really have to pivot who your audience is or how do you capture who your audience is in regards to taking those people down? And what is your process when you're going through with people to figure out what wineries you want to go to, how, what you're going to show them? Like, how do you kind of figure that out? Well, actually, it's very interesting. When I came to San Diego, I had to pretty much start all over again with my career and my business. I started to do a lot of networking, a lot of networking, going to as many groups of uh, professionals, entrepreneurs, Latinos, and just kind of starting to meet people. So as I talk with them, I kind of get a sense of what, if they're really into wine or they just want to go down there to, to travel and just have a good time. And I've been focusing on women groups. And I just love, I just love that because it's an opportunity for us as women to bond and support each other mm-hmm. when we're doing something that we love. And at the same time, we're learning and having fun. Yeah. So it has become very interesting and very satisfactory to take these women that have become friends because actually I've been in touch with them here in San Diego. We go out, taste new wines, get to know new places, mm-hmm. the wine bars, wine shops, and then we go down to Valle. Okay. So let me ask. So if somebody says they find, say they through here, through the mm-hmm. podcast or through your social, they find you. They find all about wine tasting and they're like, I want to go. They reach out to you and they're like, I've never been to Valle. I want to go. We want to learn about wine. We don't know where to go. So how do you decide what wineries you're oh, going to okay. go to when people reach out to you? In that case, if they've never been there, I kind of try to give them this idea of what Valle offers. So we I usually would go to a really small winery, to a medium one, and maybe to a larger one in, in Valle. And then kind of go through the history and as well go through the experience of tasting wines, leading them to compare one place with the other. Mm-hmm. And then eventually to tell them, okay, which place you like the best, or which wines you like the best, and which one gave you like the best experience. And so um, little by little, I just kind of, uh, once they reach out to me and tell me the date and how many people, I will uh, secure a vehicle and then I'll create an itinerary and I send that to them and I host them all the way long. I mean, I pick them up. 
I'm with them all day long. And then once we're done with the wine tastings, we always have a nice lunch dinner. I say lunch dinner because it's kind of between four and six. It bleeds into each other. Linner. We call that linner. Linner. I like that, actually. I'm going to adopt that one. And then we just kind of relax on our way back. I mean, we can listen to music or just relax or just kind of like talk about our day. Do you reach out to the wineries beforehand? I take care of all the reservations. And that's one of the things of being with them all day. If for some reason there's, I mean, you never know when you're traveling. It could be traffic. It could be that we're having a good time at a winery and maybe you want to say a little bit more. So with me being with them, I can call the next one and say, you know what, we're going to be 15 minutes later than our reservations. Can you hold that for us? We'll be, we will be there. So I'm kind of just taking care of them all, all day. So in terms you, of the reservations. Yeah. So you've built relationships with a lot of these wineries. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Have you had any wineries reach out to you and be like, wait, we want to be part of this too. <laughs> <laughs> they are very nice. I, I created this relationship or, or we've built this relationship where if I call them and I want a, an appointment, they always do their best to accommodate me. And I really love that. Mm-hmm. And then once we're there, they always try to give us like the best experience. Yeah. And I think I could not ask for anything more. I really want when people go to wine tasting that they get other questions answered and they get to just like take in that moment, mm-hmm. taste the wine. And most of the time we're outside. So just take in the, like the scenery, breathe fresh air. And just, I think that's the best experience that they can take with them. What should people be prepared for? Like if they're like, okay, we, you, they called you, You've made the reservations. What are the things that the people like that people need mm-hmm. and they need to be prepared with they in regards yeah. to, to they, going? They definitely have to have their passport updated. So yes, have your passport updated. It's passport is have like comfortable shoes, a comfort. Um, I was going to say what? Something to wear, but I was. Oh my God. Have something stretchy to wear because you're going to eat food. <laughs> yeah, something comfortable. Yeah, you don't want to be but in nice restrictive clothing. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to be in restrictive clothing. And then you're like, oh, I have a hat ready because, yeah, yes. you have to protect yourself from the sun, your sunglasses, and um, a purse where you can put in brochures or whatever little things that you buy. Maybe, I don't know, yeah. little, little souvenirs that you would like to take with you. And, um, and the max and as well, sometimes in certain seasons of the year, just layer. So maybe a a light jacket Mm -hmm. at the end of the day would be nice because even if it's hot during the day, once the sun goes down, it could get chilly sometimes. And the max is two bottles per person, correct? Coming back. Yes. To be legal. I mean, it's one liter of alcohol per person to bring back, but the bottle of wine is 750. 50 milliliters. So we've been good bringing two bottles of wine per person. I mean, when me and my boyfriend went to Oaxaca, we brought back a lot of mezcal. You did. But, but you came in, in, on an airplane, yeah. right? And that's the thing by land, that's and when they we, restrict you. <laughs> we put it We put it all in his. It was between both of us, mm-hmm. but it all went into his. But we got like the little bottles and stuff oh, like that okay. too. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, all right. <laughs> So there's a little tricks that yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. we could, yeah, we can uh, put in there. What uh, has been your biggest challenge with doing this? Because I know you work full time as well. You have like a regular full time job and you do this. Mm-hmm. So, what has been the biggest challenge? I really ask uh, whoever reaches out to me if they can set a date like two weeks in advance. That would be my preference. I can work with a group that reaches out to me a week in advance. 
and that's kind of already like kind of tight, but I can still, if I can find a vehicle, because I have vendors that I work with Mm -hmm. besides the wineries uh, in terms of transportation and um, of anything else that we need for, for our trip. And so I just need to coordinate with them in advance. So when I'm putting the itinerary together, I have to reach out to them. Okay, do you have this time available? Do you have that? And sometimes they don't. So then I have to kind of like switch the itinerary all <laughs> over. I mean, all over. Yeah. And um, it's not like, oh, I'm just going here and that's it. No, I really try to make it uh, very enjoyable and smooth as possible with not too much traveling time in between wineries. So um, if you give me that time in advance, I will book the vehicle and I'll get in touch with you. I do ask for a deposit. And once that deposit is um, done, then it's confirmed that you have your date just for you. And then I'll be working on the itinerary and emailing you. So you usually do like day trips? Day trips or weekend getaways as well. Okay. We just did one April 30th and May 1st for mm-hmm. the event Las Conchas y el Vino Nuevo. Oh, oh it was nice. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Those events, I really, I really okay, so have some, the opportunity to go. That's awesome. So when they, when you do a weekend event, then wherever they stay, they have to pay for your room is, or how does that work? Well, we kind of work it out. Mm-hmm. I, I can either um, include it in the quote or like this time they pretty much paid for my stay. So that was, that was perfect. I put my car, gas, and uh, everybody, we kind of like just um, divided food and things like that. Mm -hmm. How, what's like when you, because obviously me and you just went, Mm -hmm. sorry guys, I got the hookup. She's my friend. (laughs) She's my friend. She got the privilege, (laughs) a really private tour. Yeah, really (laughs) private tour. And she drove. <laughs> but when what's like when you do these tours, what is kind of do you have a minimum or maximum of people that you recommend? Yes, I ask for a minimum of five people and I like to work with groups up to 12 people. And so you uh, still keep it really intimate because yes. I, 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 I get that when I was doing the virtual wine tastings, I didn't really want to do more than 20 people because once you get to something really big, I just felt like the intimacy was no longer there. Yes, I think that's a perfect number of, of people mm-hmm. to go wine tasting because they're really paying attention to the person that's giving the explanation about every wine that they're tasting. And at the same time, they're sharing their experiences and the conversation kind of stays within. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get lost in other topics. And it gives them an opportunity as well as if they're friends or coworkers or family, it, it really gives them an opportunity to bond. Yeah. What do you like from a wine perspective of, of you personally? Where do you want? Where do you want to go? Like, what do you? I like to go where they give me like a one in one. Oh, I thought you were saying. I thought you were gonna. <laughs> thought you were say, I like to go where they give me free wine. <laughs> no, and actually, you know what? As these are, I I get it. As they're boutique wineries, some of them don't even have a huge production. So if I, they give me a free what? tasting, it's fine. But if not, that's fine too. You know I what? Try to Honestly, buy, yeah, I, I try to support them. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: a lot, even with the wineries that I mm-hmm. focus on, with the Latino wine brands. They're all boutique wineries. They all don't have a ton of production. A majority of them, they're in a store. It's very local. They're not really widely distributed. They're very, it's very, very, they either have a tasting room or it's just distributed and maybe within the region that they're at. I think people forget, like, that's why, you know, one of the things we were talking about at the beginning was you don't have to spend a ton to get Mm -hmm. good wine, but... When it is a boutique winery, you do tend to spend more because they're spending more time on it. 
I have not, with the wine that I've tasted from these Latine Vintners, I've not had a single wine that was bad. Like there might be something where like I've tried a dessert wine. It was actually still really good. It was really like honey forward. It was Mm -hmm. like for dessert wine, amazing. I'm just not a big sweet person. Mm -hmm. There's so much Mm -hmm. care when it's a very small winery. They have very limited production. They do. Versus a very huge winery. Like not to say that those are bad wines, but I just, I've just noticed it's almost like you can taste the love in these very small boutique wineries. Some of those winemakers even say that their their wine are their little babies. So you can imagine the care they're putting into. It's art. It's like art. They, they start at the vineyard, mm-hmm. how they care of, about the plant. And once they harvest it, how they care about the juice that it's becoming alcohol and then how it ferments and how it processes until it's in the bottle and ready for you to enjoy. Yeah. So definitely there's a lot of love, a lot of passion. And yes, there's some wines that I like. And if I don't buy a bottle that day, then I call back and they're out of it. It's very low production. I think we, did I bring back two or three bottles? I think I brought back three bottles when we went. We did? I think so. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Oh, but it was two and two. So maybe I bought one and you bought three. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, maybe. But they were so good. Like, I can't wait to go back. Where do you want to go, like, in regards to what do you want with All About Wine Tasting? Where do you want to see that go? My goal is to introduce people to wine and in a fun and simple way. It doesn't have to be a topic where you need to know a lot to start tasting wine. I I want them to feel comfortable. But as well, I want them to get excited. Like, I get excited when I'm tasting mm-hmm. a wine. I know and every I, time I, me and you are together, we're that. like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, we get up. We totally nerd out when we're together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that time that we went to this bar close Yeah, close the Weststone Wine yeah, Bar. Weststone Wine Bar. And, yeah, that's how we were. And I want to share that with, with people that think that the wine is not for them or that they don't know much about it. And that's what I tell you, you don't have to know much about it. Actually, that's why we're here. Yeah. We're learning. We're all learning from each other. I do want to be the, the person, the, the go-to person for people that wants to go to buy the Guadalupe. But also when we go there, then I can explain to them that it's not just Valle. There's other six valleys producing grapes. In so Baja what are California. the valleys? Where are, where are the valleys in Baja that produce grapes? So south from the city of Ensenada, we have, now it's, it's three. So it's San Vicente, 50 kilometers south from the city. Santo Tomas, about 35 kilometers south of the city. And Santo Tomas is where the very first winery I think consider winery. Yeah. Uh-huh, I think open. that's what you brought for my opening, right? For my launch. Yes. Santo, Santo Tomas, Tomas. I think it was a blend. Tempranillo and Cabernet. Yeah. I cannot believe I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but a job was like, I think that's what you brought. <laughs> and then, um, and then we have La Grulla. That's an area or a valley that was just selling grapes to the people that were making wine, but they're like, why don't we start making our own wine? So that's another valley that's interesting. Then we have uh, from Ensenada, it's kind of east, we have Ojos Negros. So several oh, wineries. I tried that because they sell that at, I think I bought a bottle from Northgate. Oh, really? I think so. I've tried Ojos Negros, uh-huh. unless I was with no, you. No, that's the name of the valley. But I've tried something from, wait, was I with you? Cousins? Cousins? Cheese? <laughs> No, we went somewhere. Remember when we went to North County? Yes. Oh, okay. 
Well, the grapes probably were from maybe. there. Maybe. I just yes. remember uh-huh. seeing something about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe the grapes were from Ojos Negros. So Because wineries from Valle are now buying land in Ojos Negros to plant mm-hmm. vineyards. And maybe some different varieties because that's more of a continental mm-hmm. like uh, climate. So it could get really cold in the winter and we have the forest right there next to it. So the rain that falls in the forest then will come down there. So there's no water problem there, mm. and, but it could also get really hot during the summer. But they're saying that probably Pinot Noir could do well in some part of that valley. So we're going to have to wait about a couple of years and see. Mm-hmm. And then what are the other two? And then um, Estecate. And then right there in Valle de Guadalupe, we know it as Valle, but it's kind of divided. So we have San Antonio de las Minas, which is the closest valley to to the Pacific Ocean. And then we have El Porvenir, which is right in the middle. I even like to say that there's a third part where the the biggest winery is like El Cheto, which in a time was called Valle Calafia. But now it's more just like El Porvenir and San Antonio de las Minas. And if you taste the wine from from the San Antonio de las Minas, and then you go to El Porvenir, they taste very different. What are the most common, because, you know, every region is known for a certain type of wine, right? So what are the most common wines that Valle is known for? Because they, they kind of produce a lot of varietals, right? They do, but they have come to to realize that the some of the Italian varieties are doing very well. Like even Neviolo, it's... Um, Actually, and she said Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I like Nebbiolo. In, the, in, in Italy, it comes from uh, from the hills where there's a lot of niebla. That's why they call it Nebbiolo niebla. What it would be like heavy, like heavy mist in the morning mm-hmm. or or in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So over there in Italy, I think they waited like for ten years for this wine to age in a barrel and all that before it came out to the market. Over here in Valle, they plant it, they put it in the bottle for a couple of years, and then they bring it out, and it's good to go. So they come to the realization that, like, Neviolo does very well. Sangiovese has been doing very well. Oh, yeah, well I brought well. a bottle of Sangiovese. The Petit Syrah, that probably is a clone from, from France, right? The, the Syrah, Syrah, yeah. The Petit Syrah. Well, what, one of the winemakers from El Acheto, he worked there for 40 years. Now he's on his own and he's been experimenting with, with different Italian grapes. So we'll see more of them, I Got know, it. for sure. And so Tempranillo does very well as well. I think I brought a bottle of Tempranillo too. And that kind of like, kind of fluctuate mm-hmm. between being alcoholic and not so alcoholic. But <laughs> I found one that it tastes really good. And the winemaker's from Spain, so I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but yeah. he's been doing a really good job with the Tempranillo. Yeah, no, I'm super, I mean, I like it just because the fact that it is, they have very, there's some wines that are very similar to what we, mm-hmm. what is grown a lot in California, but there's also things that you don't really find necessarily in California. Like the Neviolo, you don't really mm-hmm. find. No. And then as well in, in Valle, what, what's going on is that, we don't have like denominations or rules that they go by. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of blends that you're going to find a lot, a lot of blends of, of varieties that you would never imagine. Mm-hmm. Like the other day I had a bottle and I almost had forgotten that I had it, but it was Cab Serrano Nebbiolo, And it was so good. Really? Yes. That sounds from good. one of the boutique wineries. So it's really interesting to just taste all these combinations. Yeah. No, I, Veronica, we seriously need to go again. I I can't wait. Like I, every time we talk, 
I, cause I know how passionate you are about Valle wines and everything. You're as passionate as I am about these Latino mm-hmm. wines based here in the United States. And, you know, I need to get out to all these wineries. Shucks. I need to go travel more. <laughs> but I do want to spend more time in Valle because it's so important for me as somebody who really wants to learn and who's trying to learn to be able to go like, hopefully Hopefully, no, not hopefully. Me and my boyfriend ho- will be going to Spain for our birthdays in November. Oh, awesome. Because oh, I told him and he already started looking. Uh-huh. Oh, and awesome. I've never, like, I really, I love Riojas. I love Riojas, but I want to be able to spend time. And, and maybe next year we go to France and maybe the following year we go to Italy. Oh, you know what God. I mean? That like, is my bucket list. Yeah. Like, I want to try <laughs> all these, I want to try all these wines. And I want to, I want to concentrate like a week in one. You know what I mean? To try these wines. I don't want to like just have. And not even that is going to be enough, my friend. <laughs> I know. It still won't be enough. But, but it would be super interesting. Yes. So if people want to reach out to you, to do a mm-hmm. Valle tour, or just even to mm-hmm. learn about more about Valle wines, because there's some people that may not necessarily be able to come, but they want to be able to learn more about Valle wines. How can they reach you? Well, they can reach me on my Instagram account at all about wine tasting. And they can also reach me by my phone, uh, 619-289-4458. And you can find it on my Instagram account, too, (laughs) just in case you didn't catch that. But um, that's the best way. DM me, and then I'll get in touch with you, and then we'll start emailing each other information. Yes. So make sure you follow her because she does share a lot of information in regards to Valle Wines on her Instagram. And Veronica, (laughs) thank you so much. Like, we could talk forever. I know we're on a time limit and everything like that, but we could talk forever about all these wines but I just appreciate you coming over mm-hmm. it's so nice to like have a to do something in person because it's been so yeah. long I th- it, I think was it last year either earlier this year or la- no it was last year sometime last year mm-hmm. I did an in-person one and you know it's just it's so nice to be able to sit and talk to somebody mm-hmm. and have a glass of wine with somebody instead yeah. of you know, always being on Definitely. Zoom. It's, it's super different. Like this COVID time for me was so difficult because I just couldn't get used to that Zoom thing. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's all about the vibe and being able to see you and share, um, have conversations yeah. and taste wine. Life. Yes. Yes. Wine is life. <laughs> live. See, I have my thing over there. It says live, live love, love wine. wine. <laughs> Well, muchísimas gracias. Oh, gracias Salud. a ti, Un placer. <laughs> gracias, mi gente. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.